Today we have a hand featuring one of my favorite poker video bloggers, Jamin Burton. He gets in there, he battles, he is grinding it up. He is playing 5-10 at Bellagio, playing something like $1,500 deep. Let's get to the action. The table did agree to put on the $20 straddle, and that is in effect during this next hand. Worth noting, whenever there's a straddle, it's as if the stacks got divided in half. So if normally we're playing 150 big blinds deep, now we're playing 75. I'm the straddle here, and the player first to act limps. The hijack limps, the big blind limps, and I look down at two black queens. Oh, we're definitely raising this. I make it $100 to go. So it is worth noting, when you're out of position, typically you want to make it a little bit bigger than if you are in position. In position against two limps, I think $100 is certainly reasonable with queens, but from out of position, in general, you just want to make it a little bit larger. Also, when people limp in medium stakes cash games, they usually have a logical limping range of hands like small pairs, suited connectors, suited aces. And you want to make sure you're cutting off those hands implied odds to the best of your ability. So I think I'd make it more like 140 or even maybe even 160 in this situation, fully expecting all of those hands I just listed to still call. And that's just going to result in the stack to pot ratio being a little bit shallower, which hurts their implied odds a ton. Um, when you do make it 100, I would expect to get called by at least one player, and probably more like two or three, assuming they're limping with reasonable hands, which is not really what you want when you're out of position, especially if you could have made it just a little bit bigger and gotten more money in the pot. The original limper now calls, and while action is on the hijack, the big blind folds out of turn. This out of turn folding was an epidemic this session. The hijack finds the fold, and although we took a circuitous route, we wind up heads up on the flop. Deuce four six with two spades. We lead for $70 and the under the gun player goes into the tank for 15 seconds before deciding to raise to 270. All right, all right, all right. Uh, this 135 is definitely not correct. Currently the pot is 240. So this is a spot where I think you want to be betting frequently using a smaller medium size on the 642 board. We have the best hand the vast majority of the time, although we could be beat by sets. Um, I think this is a scenario, though, where you just want to bet with the majority of your range because your opponents have a whole lot of random, unpaired, suited, connected type hands. And they're also going to have some pairs that will not fold. I think I probably would have sized it up a little bit in this situation, even though I fully realize the default play is to bet rather small. I think I probably would have gone more like 120 or 130, just because I think most players in this type of game are not really going to care if you bet 70 versus 120. They're going to continue with the exact same range. And... That's good because you just get more money in the pot with a hand that is likely good. Anyway, we go 70. Opponent goes to 70. Ugh. Let's hear what Jamin has to say. Excuse me? <laughs> what? What is this? No one who limps with aces or kings doesn't re-raise preflop. This sizing is either a flop set that's scared of a flush draw or it's a draw itself. I'm banking on the latter. All right, so let's think about this. When the opponent does raise, what should they have? Well, if they do actually have a set, I don't think they want to raise all that often in this spot because they're not all that vulnerable to being outdrawn because if you think about Jamin's range, it does not interact with this board much at all. So yeah, you don't get a bunch of money in right now against aces, kings, queens, jacks, etc. But you keep Jamin in with all the unpaired overcards, which are going to hit sometimes and then be drawing dead. So I think this is a probably, spot, probably a spot where sets don't want to raise all the time. I think you're going to be looking more at something like overpairs, like nines, eights, sevens a lot of the time. Maybe hand like a six or six, five. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then flush draws, 
like Jamin mentioned as well. Um, if your opponent does have something like 6-4, they'll probably raise that too, but obviously there aren't that many combinations of that. So given that range, I don't really see how we can fold unless we know our opponent's just super duper straightforward and they only have the nuts. This is a great spot just to call and proceed as Jamin does. You know, I want to know, in your games, when you're playing, when you have a continuation bet the flop in a three-bet pot and the opponent raises on a board like this, do you think they usually err towards having sets or super nuts? Or do you think they err towards having draws? Take a second, pause the video, and write what you think in the comment section below. I would appreciate it. While you're down there, click the like and subscribe button if you're having fun. I call. Damon calls, all right. The turn three of diamonds isn't exactly a blank, mm. as it does fill in ace-five suited combinations. After being raised on the flop, however, I check. And now the under-the-gun player just moves in for $710. My read when this happens is typically the opponent wants to look as strong as they possibly can. If they want to look as strong as they possibly can, I think that means they're bluffing a large chunk of the time. And when they're bluffing in this scenario, realize they're going to have a lot of equity with flush draws, obviously. I don't think a lot of people just like snap rip it in if they have a five. They may snap rip it in with a set, but uh, you know what you're going to do. <laughs> I really don't take too long with this one. I'm near the top of my range, and his line feels insanely draw-heavy. I love it. Especially this shove. I completely agree. Good call. I say good call. Watch me show up with a five now. I call. He puts up one finger to tell the dealer he only wants to run it once. Once is fine. The deuce pairs on the river, and he says, I have a six. I got a six. As he exposes seven six of spades, I table RuPaul and Little Richard, and drag my largest pot of the night. Nice seven six of spades is a hand that certainly does make sense to put in a check raise. It might actually be too good to check raise because it's almost always good if you don't get it all in by the river. When you do get it all in by the river, the six is almost never good though, right? So this is a hand that I think you may want to be a little bit more inclined to not play so aggressively. I'd much rather play aggressively on the flop with a hand like King three of spades or King five of spades. A hand that is almost never good at the river, but can improve to a very, very premium hand. So anyway, seven six of spades, loads it in. Jayden makes the good call of queens, and he scoop -a loops a very, very nice spot. That's going to be it for today. Hope you enjoyed this video. Make sure you check out Jamin's video blog. He does amazing work there. I love it. It's a lot of fun. And whenever you get queens, and there's a lot of draws available, and there's an overcard, and your opponent's aggressive, don't fold. Thanks for watching. And I'll talk to all of you next time.